What I have found is that an awful lot of people who've been there and done that are perfectly happy, as I am right now, to share their experiences, to feel like they're helping somebody else not make the mistakes that they made, to do better, to share the wisdom they've gained from their own experiences. And if it's casual, they're happy to do it, you know, for an hour or two or, you know, a few times, just like that, without taking it to any formal arrangement. So I think it's just a, a function of finding the right people that you want to get advice from. Hey, welcome to Finding Your Venture, episode number 22. This episode is about forming an advisory board. So one of the first things every startup should do is form an advisory board. It's like this magical thing that gives you access to all the skills and experience that you need but don't have. It's an excuse to regularly talk to smart people without paying them very much. And if you're not doing it, you're leaving one of the most powerful resources you have on the bench and not using it. Kate Putnam is an angel investor and she helps lots of founders in that role of advisor. We're gonna have her start by introducing herself and just talking a little bit about what an advisory board is, how an advisor can help you, and how to think about engaging them and what the value exchange is. So go ahead and take it away, Kate. Hi, I'm Kate Putnam. I spent, I started my career in corporate banking in New York and worked both in corporate banking and for a Fortune 500 company and treasury before I moved on to consulting for small businesses. Then I ran a custom machinery manufacturer for 20 years. And when I sold that business in 2015, I was already starting to launch into my next phase of life, which was to be an angel investor and a mentor and work with small businesses and with startups. I work with an awful lot of companies that I meet along the way, either for a brief period of time or for a more extended period of time, depending on their needs and how persistent they are in coming after me for whatever perceived wisdom they think I have. Sometimes that's a formal arrangement where I actually sit on an advisory board and sometimes it's an informal arrangement. And I tell startups that I'm working with to sort of do a test drive with people that they want, whose advice they want. And that usually means to ask for a defined amount of time and over what time period. So for instance, I'd like to talk to you for an hour every three weeks for two months. And six weeks into this, you just think this, you've milked them for all they're worth. And you say, thank you so much. You are so wonderful. Or six weeks into this, you say, I need to keep going with this person because they can help me get to the next level. And so you ask them if they're willing to extend their engagement with you. At some point, if you've really been doing that a lot, it is the smartest thing to do is to ask them to sit on what is called an advisory board. And board suggests that you've got a bunch of people around the table talking to each other and giving you advice. And it can be that way, but most of the time advisory boards work in a one-on-one -on -one situation and you are looking to have access to them for an extended period of time. Most advisory boards I see that work well range between three and five people and they may swap out over time. If you're using them a lot, you should compensate them. Compensation usually is in the form of either grants of common stock so that they're aligned with you or in the form of options. It's almost never in the form of cash payments, but it's the, it's the way to get the heart and mind and not simply the casual advice of somebody that you value. 
The other reason you want to have a good advisory board is because your advisory board, hopefully, are people who are going to introduce you to other people. They usually don't want the same kind of people on your advisory board. So you might have a somebody who knows everything about one aspect of your business and where you want to go with it. And somebody who knows another aspect of your business, you might have technical advisors, you might have general advisors, but advisory boards are the people who often get you to the next level. Sometimes I have thoughts that make a lot of sense until I say them out loud to somebody else. And I'm so grateful for that external feedback to realize early in the process how crazy I was. I think advisors serve that same role for a startup. So what does it look like when a company that should be using advisors doesn't? A lot of times companies don't anticipate where they need to be going and set up the systems that they need to have in place for the next level of the business. I saw this most clearly with an investment and I really liked the founders, but they went along with and didn't push for things that needed to happen. They had an academic board. They knew they needed to have a real board, or at least the founders did, but the academics who were involved with them said, ah, no, that's not that important right now. Well, it turned out to be critically important. The company went down the drain and returned returned most, but not all of the money to their investors. The CEO just burned out because she didn't have the support she needed from her board. She had a bunch of academics with no business experience. So at some point, you really do need to have a real board a real business plan, a real set of metrics to measure your progress on, and people will give you advice and hold you accountable, both. And if you're not willing to subject yourself to that kind of a discipline because this is your baby and you know what's best for it, you're going to inhibit the growth of your baby. You know, most people will send their kids to school and it's not because they don't know how, what the ABCs look like or basic arithmetic. They do it because there are other things that they need to learn and do in order to grow. And this is true for companies as well. All right, so how do you go find advisors and why would they even waste their time helping you? Usually they find me through LinkedIn and then they can be more specific because they've looked at what I've done and they can say in their message to me on LinkedIn, you know, you have this experience that would be invaluable to me. A lot of the companies that I meet are passed to me by somebody else. Who, said, who says, Kate, these people need your advice. You know, you'd be really good for them. And I'm usually willing to give people an hour or so just to understand what's going on. And then after that, it depends on, well, you know, I will not pursue companies. I don't need to, but they will often come back to me and try to, you know, get more and more advice. And if they do, I'm usually pretty generous. I can't say that I think every angel investor is as interested as I am, but I enjoy it. In my experience, not everybody's like Kate, but there are many, many people who will jump on the phone with you, who will spend a little bit of time with you, as long as you're respectful of their time and make it easy and fun for them. Years ago, there was a great book that came out about why women don't ask. And I think I bought copies and gave it away to my daughters, to my son's girlfriend, to you know anybody I could think of, because it was so valuable to understand that women are less likely to actually ask somebody for something. What I discovered both by reading the book and then trying to practice what it told me was that most people don't like to say no. 
And so if you're asking for something that is very defined, in other words, I'm not asking you to give me 20 hours a week in perpetuity, but I'm asking you to give me advice when I call you on a periodic basis for a defined period of time. If people have the availability, they're inclined to say yes. Now, sometimes you can catch somebody in a very busy moment and they're saying, you know, I just can't do this. I'm up to my eyeballs for the next three months. You know, I'd be happy to help you otherwise. But nobody likes to sit there and say, no, go away. All right. Before we let you go, Kate and I want to make sure that you understand the difference between an advisory board, which is what this episode is about, and a board of directors. Legally, you create a company, you have to have a board of directors. It's usually based on the number of shareholders you have. So if it's just you and somebody else, the two of you can be your board of directors. And you can have a separate advisory board and nobody really thinks about who's on the board of directors because it's the two of you and it's your money. As soon as you start taking people, other people's money, you start to develop a fiduciary obligation to them. So it's that fiduciary obligation that's going to cause you to expand the board of directors beyond you and your other co-founders. How to put that board together will probably be the subject of a future episode, but don't worry about the corporate board stuff for now. Just stick with the advisory board when you're in the startup phase. A big thank you to Kate Putnam for sharing her advice and perspective from being an advisory board member. Finding Your Venture is a community of rising entrepreneurs. We have a LinkedIn group that anyone can join. And if you listen and enjoy the podcast, please consider rating it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. The next episode is with University Regent and venture capitalist Paul Brown. We're going to talk about how to find the right investor who wants to give you money. I hope you'll check it out. 